Sports Radio 104.3 The Fan. Every Saturday morning, it's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Terry takes you inside the outdoors. You know, hunting, fishing, camping. It's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Now, celebrating 20 years of bringing the outdoors to Colorado radio, here's Terry Wickstrom. All right, we're back, and we're going to go right to the phones. Terry Wickstrom Outdoors is brought to you in part by Sun Power Sports, Colorado's largest ATV and motorcycle dealer. And joining us on the phone, we are very fortunate to have Will Dykstra. You see, Will, I didn't say we're fortunate not to have Nate this time, but I was, right, th- right. I was, I was thinking it. Right, I, I, th- I thought that was you said something about making that a New Year's resolution this year was to, you know, to be more positive about who you have and not negative about who you don't have. Well, with most cases, well, most cases that's true. There's only one I right. really pick on a lot, <laughs> and you know, and right. some poor, some poor winner from this ice fishing giveaway is going to have to spend a whole day on the ice with Nate and me. Oh, geez. Oh boy. Yeah. So do they get do they get cash with that too? Just well, to cover their, first first prize know? is one day. Uh, a second prize is two days. But no, okay. just, just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's going to be right. a lot of fun. We're our sons putting this on. You can go to um, our Facebook pages, either Sunny and T or Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, and find out how to sign up. But anyway, we miss Nate. He's one of our favorite contributors, but he's always out getting ready for something. So we have another one of our favorite contributors. In fact, you'll be uh, filling in in a few weeks. I think when I'm out of town, is that right? Yeah, we'll be filling in here at the end of the month, and uh, you know it's going to be a shorter show that day because of the NFL draft. But we're going to pack in that hour some awesome information. All right. Well, we'll keep people posted as we get close. But today, people are looking at this weather coming up. Well, now I know we had a major cold front come through yesterday, and it changes right. some of the. And it's going to change some fishing more than others. You know, it's going to affect the true warm water species more than the trout and the pike are somewhere in the middle. But everything can be affected. But we're going to get that gradual warming trend till it hits down in the front range, close to eighty, high seventies by middle of the week. We could be heading into what I think could be a phenomenal bite. Is that your feeling? You know, I, I agree 100%. It's going to be one of those, uh, you know, the, the spring weather this year that we've had has been so inconsistent. That, you know, we've had winter patterns at times. We've had spring patterns at times. And we've even seen some, like, early summer-type patterns show up just because we've had some influx of water temperature and that kind of thing. But, yeah, Terry, this coming week, I would anticipate with this warm-up that you're going to start catching a lot of fish, whether you're fishing on the front range and whether you're fishing, uh, you know, even up in the mountains where some of our lakes have opened, you know, we have um, our first walleye turn of the year coming up this week or uh, this coming weekend at Cherry Creek Reservoir and uh, the first walleye insanity event. And I anticipate there's going to be potentially three different kinds of bites going on that are, you know, typically aren't overlapping this time of year. So definitely, you know, a great time of year to be fishing without a doubt. When you say there's going to be three overlapping bites, and we'll see that starting to happen during this week as we get this warm weather, and I think what you're going to, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but you're going to look at still some post-spawn fish um, moving up, but you're going to see some recovering fish, but then I think you're going to see where the shad might be moving towards shallow and people are going to catch those. Is that what you're thinking? Absolutely. You know, I'd say that, you know, on the front range here, you know, whether you're up at Fort Collins, you know, up by you guys or down south, all the way down to Pueblo, I think we're going to start seeing a jigging bite here soon. I think we're going to see, you know, this this precision trolling bite is going to hold pretty true. This lead core bite has been great, but we're also getting some reports and, and catching some fish on live bait rigging right now, which is not your typical April technique to catch walleyes. 
No, you're usually you're a May June kind of bite. Absolutely, you know you're looking at water temperatures in the into the high fifties, low sixties typically for that to really hold true. But you know it's kind of one of those things and makes for a a fun day out on the water. Uh, you know whether you're you're out there to to go fish for fun or whether you're going to be competing in that tournament that we have coming up. You know you got a you got your work cut out for you. But uh, you know kind of pick your poison. Well, I think. And and I don't want to give anything away, not that I would win the tournament if I was in it or even place, but I would, you and I both know that some of these tournaments, uh, when you're fishing, when there are three bites like that, the one thing that I'll put out there that can mistake people, especially if you're getting almost a summer bite, is you can be catching a lot of fish thinking, boy, I'm going to have to call through these and get some big ones, but the big right. ones are really doing something different, aren't they? They usually are, you know, so... As we get into the spring, the later part of the spring, you'll start seeing those bigger fish break off. But, you know, when we're talking about a lead core bite that's happening at some of these lakes, we're still catching some really nice fish mixed in with some of those fish that you feel like, a you know, a 28-inch walleye could eat, you know. So there's uh, right now the fish are still kind of grouped up, but we're going to start seeing those bigger ones breaking off like you're saying. And, you know, finding that technique to catch that larger fish is always the key. You know, whether you're trying to put your biggest fish of your life in the boat or whether you're trying to win a tournament. You're absolutely right. So what, what have you seen going on right now? Tell us uh, how, what techniques are working for you on the front range, but then I'll bet you're seeing some good fish up at Spinney, too. You know, we are in, uh, you know, we'll start at the front range. So right now we've still got a, our, our night walleye bite is still is actually getting stronger every night. You know, we're catching a lot of nice fish. Um, the other night we had, you know, 10 fish over 20 inches in the boat doing our night trolling, and that's following up, you know, it's been, a, you know, a little bit of a slower spring um, with that night bite just because the fish, you know, didn't necessarily line up the way that uh, you would expect them to with the spawn. So we've been dealing with fish that have been spawning or pre-spawn or post-spawn, and now it's looking like we've got all post-spawn fish, and uh, that night that trolling night bite has been great. That you know, the casting jerk baits at night is very productive, and uh, that lead core day bite at the Lake Bike Cherry Creek has been just off the hook right now. I mean, it's that's probably not the right phrase for it, but it's been it's been really good. Well, I, the least. I used to be in March and April. I used to live right by Cherry Creek Reservoir, and and I don't know where you guys are locating the fish right now because I haven't fished it for a while. But that daytime lead core bite. I was fishing the deeper basins of the lake, but near the breaks where they would move up to feed at night. And I'd use a, a little less aggressive crankbait, and I'd try to get it down just close to bottom. Wouldn't get a lot of bites, but, boy, the fish I got were big. Right. You know, I'd say right now we're catching. It's been a really phenomenal spring at, at Cherry Creek with the lead core. We're catching fish, you know, fishing that deeper basin like you're talking about, staying in that, you know, 21 to 24 feet of water. And uh, we're catching, you know, 30 to 40 walleyes a day with, you know, six, seven keepers every time we're out, you know, legal fish every time we're out there. And, and you know, we've had a handful of really, or a handful of opportunities, some really big fish, but again, with that lead core style of fishing, um, it's all about making sure you're fighting the fish the right way. So with that said, you know, it's it's been a great bite out there and, and we anticipate it being even better as we get into the spring and we're going to have a great summer. Oh, I would I would look for both Cherry Creek and Chatfield to produce just 
incredible numbers of fish and it always gets it peaks into june where you get that hot bite you do see the big fish taper off a little bit but until you call down those bigger males you can still get a lot of keepers what are you looking for out or out in the spinny i would think that the way spinny opened this year that you're doing some phenomenal fishing out there you know so this the the you know spinny and 11 mile opening and spinny especially you know this year there's a big buzz about it because you know, like like we said last year, you don't get an opportunity usually to fish pre-spawn pike. Usually those lakes up there aren't opening till mid-April or late April, sometimes into May. And, uh, you know, so the buzz has been, you know, targeting giant pike, you know, targeting the biggest pike of the year um, happens this time of year. So the fishing has been, uh, you know, right now I'd say if you're going out there to target pike, I wouldn't expect to catch a lot of fish, but the fish you are catching are going to be big fish. So, uh, you know, my approach right now, and you know, early this time of year, we're we're going slow and we're fishing baits with uh, very little action, like a uh, floating rapala, the big the big FL18 floating rapala, and we're either casting or trolling those baits. For the most part, I'm going to be trolling because I want that bait staying in the strike zone for as long as possible. Um, when we when I say we're going slow, we're going slow. We're going 0.9 to 1.3 miles an hour, and uh, you know that's painstakingly slow terry but it's you know if you want to catch these bigger pike that's basically the approach you gotta you gotta make early this time of year i mean we're talking 39 to 42 degree water temps right now you know and those fish are cold-blooded they're they're gonna definitely not be uh as active as, or, or as voracious as they're gonna be post-spawn but uh you know so if you're targeting those fish don't get discouraged just uh you know cycle cycle through some things and, and use low action bait go very very slow uh, you know a good low action bait and by the way they're not a sponsor of mine um but one that i've used both for walleyes and pike for the low action slow trolling has been a husky jerk absolutely and that husky jerk is is definitely a staple in my arsenal um all spring long up there in south park and i'll tell you what then that kind of leads me to the next thing i want to talk about is We've been catching a ton of really nice trout. And these fish this year are bigger and heavier than I've seen them in a long time up there. Um, we're talking 22 to 24 inch fish that are, you know, seven to nine pounds right now. Um, just absolute beast rainbows and cut bows up there. And we're catching those fish on jerk baits. Um, and not, not, not your typical, you know, trout size two to five inch jerk bait. We're catching these fish on, on the big size 14 husky jerk that's almost six inches, we're catching them on other eight-inch jerk baits and perfect 10 rogues and that kind of thing. And we're catching a ton of fish. So, again, up there at Spinny, you can cast or troll for these fish um, throwing jerk baits, and it has been, that's been kind of my go-to technique um, this first week, but it's because I like covering a lot of water. Um, for those of you that are fly fishing, those egg patterns are absolutely uh, put, putting the hammer down on those rainbows and cut bows up there as well. And for those of you that are targeting big browns, this is a great time of year to do it because they're in shallow uh, chasing those rainbows. And, again, throwing jerk baits, big, you know, soft plastic like a, like a tube jig has been really effective thus far. You know, I was just going to say, this is the time of the year up at Spinney and some of these mountain lakes now, which we we kind of went through this down here on the Front Range, and there's still some of it. I wrote an article about it. But now is the time, you know, people are always asking me, well, I don't have a boat. When, when and where can I fish from shore? But I'll tell you what, right now, if you want to catch big trout, as the ice is leaving these mountain lakes or has left, those trout are going to be as accessible from shore as any time during the year right now. Absolutely, and I... 
I know that that opening weekend at Spinney, there was a lot of guys lined up on the shoreline, and I don't think a single one of those guys went home unhappy. So it's a great time of year to be targeting those those bigger fish, especially from the shore. And, again, you can do the same presentation, whether you're fly fishing, that egg pattern's working really well. Um, but throwing jerk baits, throwing tube jigs, and, and, and even spoons has been really effective uh, for those for those guys that are fishing from the bank. Well, well so. we, were, we were talking to the guys up at North Park Anglers about the Delaney's and Lake John and the rivers up there. And, you know, the bug hatches are kind of off and on because the water's still cold. One day you'll have one, and the f- small flies might be appropriate. But big stuff right now, like you said, San Juan worms and eggs and, and streamers. And then when you get into the conventional gear, you almost can't go too big. You can't, and, it, and, it's, a, and it's, a, it's something that, you know, I... I ain't saying, well, this is a mistake that people are making, but it, but something that gets overlooked probably more than anything, especially when you're talking about targeting trout, they love eating jerk baits. You know, I, I know a, a good friend of mine that was fishing up at Antero earlier this year actually caught a, a 26 inch cut bow that when he brought it home, he brought it, he brought that fish home because he wanted to smoke it and he brought it home and filleted it. And when he opened it up, it had two six inch rainbows in its stomach, two, you know, so that tells you right there. You know, we always talk about, you know, especially in the fly fishing game, you know, matching the hatch is important. Well, these fish are predators. These fish are definitely cannibalistic, and they will not hesitate to eat a big jerk bait, even eat a big swim bait. You know, we catch, I joke about it, but we catch a ton of big trophy master ingress-sized trout while pike fishing all year long. So when you're, if you're out there specifically targeting trout, don't under, you know, I always tell people, start out big, you know. Why not? And that's, you know, you're going to catch the most aggressive fish doing that. And uh, don't be afraid of throwing a jerk bait in that five to seven inch range. Will, we're out of time. People want to book a trip with you guys. What do they do? Uh, you know, you can find us on Facebook at Tightline Outdoors. You can also see our, or find us on the on the, the internet at tightlineoutdoors.com. And just real quick, Terry, for those of you walleye anglers out there that are chomping at the bit to get into these the, the tournament style of fishing, uh, our first event's coming up here this Saturday at Cherry Creek Reservoir. And the uh, registration for that closes on Thursday. So again, at tightlineoutdoors.com, you can uh, you can uh, register for the first walleye insanity event of the year. So, like I said, great. It's a great event to get into. It's a very competitive event, but it's also very user friendly. All right, Will. Thank you so much. We'll talk to you guys next week. All righty. Thanks, Terry. You bet. Terry Wickstrom Outdoors is brought to you in part by Honey Smoked Fish Companies. Smoked salmon. The secret is in the fire. Terry Wickstrom Outdoors is brought to you in part by Sun Power Sports, Colorado's largest ATV and motorcycle dealer. We're going right to the phones and joining us, well, he's from Pheasants Forever, and we normally bring him on Talk Upland Birds, but Mr. Bob Hicks, you and I have been talking turkey hunting. I was thinking it's got to go back, going on two decades, back to when the fan was in the little closet over in Monaco, and you'd come in with a call and do it right into the microphone. I think so, Terry. Uh, uh, somebody asked me the other day how many years I've hunted turkeys, and yeah, I started hunting in my early 20s, and uh, now in my early 50s, and been a passion uh, for for about 30 years. So um, I think it's been at least 20 years we've been talking about spring turkey hunting, which is a phenomenal time of year to get out there and enjoy the outdoors. Well, first of all, a couple things, couple points I want to make about what you just said. The passion. People that get into turkey hunting, it's like uh, elk calling, the archery. 
when you get into hunting from a blind type situation and doing calling and communicating with the animals, whether you harvest something or not, what you see from that blind and the way you interact with the animals, it creates such a passion that people just get hooked for life. Um, turkey hunting is one of those. It'll hook you and it'll just take over your outdoor activities. The other thing in the last 20 years, Bobby, it used to be that to have a successful turkey hunt in Colorado, you almost had to draw just a couple different areas or really be an avid hunter like yourself who just knew where the birds were and how to find them and where to set up. But I'll tell you what, you can buy an over-the-counter license in Colorado now and get out and experience some pretty darn good turkey hunting. Uh, that's true, Terry. You know, when I, when I, you know, when, when I talk to people about my start into the sport, you know, I, I was mentored by some really good turkey hunters, friends of mine, a father and son that took me under their wing. And, you know, I hunted for five years before I ever even had a, had a shot at a gobbler in the spring. Um, and I missed, and we're going to talk about that in a little bit, why, why it's important to target your gun or pattern your gun. And, uh, but it just made me want to do it more. And, you know, People like the National Wild Turkey Federation, um, who I've been a member of, the first conservation group I ever joined, and I'm still an active member and try to help out our local chapter down in uh, Castle Rock, our uh, Rampart Range chapter. Um, because of the work of Colorado Parks and Wildlife and other state agencies, and especially the National Wild Turkey Federation, I mean, turkeys were on the brink of extinction back in the 20s and 30s, and from you know, four or five small populations of the four different subspecies in the United States, you know, I mean, the, the turkeys have never been at a greater population density in the United States. And you know, when I first started hunting Nebraska, you couldn't even get a license. And now you can buy three tags over the counter and hunt anywhere in the state. And I mean, there's just, there's just turkeys everywhere now in eastern Colorado. And that's from, you know, a few transplants that started on the South Platte and and uh, hats off to NWTF and CPW for their work and and bringing this iconic, you know, bird back to the United States. So what should the, and I know we'll get into some mistakes and things, but what should the turkey hunter be doing now? Now, it starts, I believe, this a week from today, and it runs actually about six weeks. It's a pretty long hunting season, maybe even longer than that. So what, what should the turkey hunter be, hunter be doing now, and is it critical to get out that first Saturday? You know, I mean, I, I was just listening to you and Will talk uh, about fishing and get me all fired up about the, the fishing going on. But, you know, I've lived in Colorado my whole life. And, you know, the last few years, it seems like we get more snowstorms in April and May than we do in March, like we used to do. And and um, so, no, um, my experience hunting in Colorado, I've always done better later in the season, whether I'm hunting the front range, you know, up by Deckers and the Rampart Range, or even down south by Trinidad and Canyon City, where we have a big population of mountain birds, to even out east. So, uh, you know, early in the season, the birds are probably at their toughest. And one of the other things that's happened the last 15 years is archery has really exploded for every species, but especially for turkey hunting. So in the old days, you know, there, there really wasn't even an archery season. And so, you know, in states like Kansas and Nebraska that have really strong archery seasons, um, those birds get a little educated in March by the archery hunters. So sometimes taking a couple weeks and letting them settle down after the shotgun season helps. But the big thing is 
you know, we're trying to reverse nature, Terry, when we're trying to call in a big, big gobbler because, you know, it's why he fans out and struts is he, uh, he's trying to attract the hen to him. And so early in the season, they've usually already got their harem of hens. And so, you know, he's not going to leave 10 or 15 girlfriends to come to one call. But later in the season, when the hens start going to nest, um, you know, they'll roost in the same tree or very close proximity to each other. But what happens a lot of times, once those hens start nesting, they leave that gobbler in the morning, and then he starts hunting for, for a hen that hasn't been bred. So um, I think you're going to have a lot better success hunting at the end of April and the first two weeks of May in this part of the country than you ever are going out early. So how important is it to do scouting before I actually get out to hunt with turkeys? And how is it too late, uh, or should I be out there th- this next week when it's going to be nice? Well, I was talking to a gentleman yesterday that called me up, and he and his son drew uh, one of the lucrative tags out along the I-76 corridor out in Unit 96 along the South Platte River. And, um, you know, I, I wanted to get some advice. And, you know, I told him, you know, you got to go pattern your gun. And and I said, you know, if you can go out there this week and, and just listen um, and don't do a bunch of calling, just kind of listen and use your binoculars and, and, you know, try to maybe roost a bird one night and see where, where you're hearing them gobble. I think the biggest mistake people make, whether it's on public property, a state wildlife area, or on private land, is is educating the birds by calling to them before you actually hunt. And so, um, you know, scouting can be critical, especially if you've never hunted an area or drawn a tag. But um, I think it's always better to, to scout it earlier than later. Um, but it's, I don't think it's as critical as other species. Um, and the big thing I tell, tell people that are new into the sport is, you know, the last thing I do is, is actually use a turkey call to try to locate a bird. I use, you know, crow calls and an owl hooter in the evening, and in the evening we'll occasionally blow a coyote howler um, to get them to gobble. Uh, actually, one of my best calls to get a bird to gobble in the middle of the day is a rooster pheasant call, which is kind of hard to find, but if you get on the internet, you can find them and cackle like a rooster pheasant because they're mating too, and that'll get a response. But what I try to do, Terry, is I try to locate the bird first, um, and then I try to get as close as I can, you know, two to 300 yards set up and start and start calling because, um, you know, when people go out right now this weekend, the week before season, and are wandering around the woods uh, using a turkey call, all they're doing, in my opinion, is educating them. So I, I think scouting is important, but, but use your binoculars, use your ears, and try not to use the actual calls of the turkey until you're ready to actually hunt the bird. Now, how difficult, if I'm a new turkey hunter getting started, is it for me to do be able to do enough calling to be successful, and do I need some decoys? Uh, you know, uh, I, I love to hunt with decoys, and the reason I love to hunt with decoys is all the different things that's happened in my turkey hunting career with decoys. I've had coyotes charge my decoys. I've had a bobcat come in. Uh, if you're hunting up in the mountains up here at Deckers, you may have a bear or a mountain lion come in. Um, and and so you get a lot of different wildlife that actually attracts to the decoys. Um, but 
when you hunt really smart turkeys, um, sometimes you're better off not using a decoy and make that turkey find you. Um, so a lot of times when a big gobbler sees your decoys, he actually, you know, starts strutting because, again, he expects the hen to come to him. So that's where we incorporate using um, a Jake decoy, a young male turkey decoy, because that will entice the bird to come in and run off the juvenile male. Um, but again, you know, when you're hunting with decoys, um, it can be very dangerous too, whether you're, even if you're on private property. So, you know, my recommendation for people that are going to use decoys is, is really try to watch some videos, um, really understand the, the safety aspect. Um, you never want the decoys outside your gun range, but you don't want them 10 feet away from you. And the biggest safety tip I can give people, a couple of them when they're using decoys, is never carry the decoy in your hand. Always have it in your vest or in a bag. And then when you set up a decoy, make sure you always set your back against a tree wider than your body because turkey hunting is probably the most dangerous sport there is in hunting because we're in full camouflage. We're putting decoys out there. Or calling like the turkeys, and unfortunately, every year people are are injured um, in turkey hunting accidents. So uh, be be very cautious when you when you use decoys. And um, uh, but I would always have them with me. But the thing I tell folks is, if you're hunting for several days, and you know you you work a bird, and he comes up and he sees your decoys, and he runs off because sometimes they're afraid of decoys because they've been shot at over decoys, or or he hangs up. Don't worry about it. Just remember that and then try to set up on the bird the next day without decoys and make him hunt you. All right. We got about a minute left. And by the way, I know you want to talk about patterning your gun. And uh, JR from Colorado Clays is waiting on the line. He's actually going to have availability out there to pattern their turkey guns. Why is it so important, Bob? Well, I actually yeah, went to Colorado Clays a few years ago to pattern a new shotgun. And, and that's great. He's getting on. I mean, um, your your old pheasant shotgun just doesn't have the, the the choke that it needs. So hopefully you've got a gun that's got a screw-in choke. Um, make sure you study the shell you use because they're making these new shells that, you know, you've got to have the right choke tube so you don't blow up your gun because some of it's kind of a, you know, um, a steel-type shot that doesn't uh, crush in like lead. But, you know, go pattern your gun because, you know, if you can picture a pencil and a walnut glued on top of the pencil, that's your kill zone. The pencil represents the spine of the turkey's head, and the walnut represents the brain. You're never going to kill a turkey body shooting them with a shotgun. You have to shoot them in the head. And so what I tell people is glue a walnut to a pencil and go set that pencil out there about 35 yards and see if you break the pencil or the walnut. If you do, you've got a good gun. Get a pattern. You can print them off the Internet. Go out and shoot your gun. Try some different shells, fours, fives, and sixes, um, and some different manufacturers because every gun shoots different, Terry. All right, Bob, we're out of time. We'll let you go, but thank you so much for joining us today. As always, great information. Terry, thank you, and thanks for what you do for sportsmen in Colorado. Thanks, Bob. Always a pleasure. Bob Hicks from Pheasants Forever, actual. Um, we're going to come back and we're going to talk shotgunning with the guys from Colorado Clays. Terry Wickstrom Outdoors is brought to you in part by Sun Power Sports, Colorado's largest ATV and motorcycle dealer.
Terry Wickstrom Outdoors is uh, brought to you in part by Honey Smoke Fish Company's Smoked Salmon. The secret is in the fire. Let's go right to the phones. And, Jr. we couldn't have had a better lead-in for Colorado Clays than to have Bob Hicks saying how important it is to pattern your turkey gun, could we? Man, you got that right, Terry. And you guys, I understand how the Colorado Clays are going to have uh, afford the opportunity for people to do that. Yeah, Terry, you know, um, I like to elaborate on that, and thanks for bringing that up. Um, you know, every year here at Colorado Clays, we see a lot of turkey hunters, and they all say the same thing with the amount of ground to hunt turkeys getting less and less and the greater demand for those licenses and opportunities, you know, gritting a crack at a big tom gets tougher every year. And I mean, really, for some of these guys, it may even be the chance of a lifetime. So the last thing you want to do is go through all of that time and expense and then miss an opportunity because you didn't have your turkey gun or yourself dialed in and on target. Well, of course, that's where Colorado Clay shooting part can really, really make all the difference, Terry. So everyone knows that, you know, Colorado Clays, of course, we are Colorado's premier public shooting facility. And that going to Colorado Clays to shoot is always a fun time, whether it's rifles, pistols, shotguns, getting ready for a hunt, or just, you know, enjoying being at the range with your friends and family. And, of course, we have shotgun shooting opportunities for people of all skill levels from, um, say our you know dedicated training trap. Uh, we got seven ATA trap fields, two wobble traps, a couple skeet fields, and a beautiful 15 station sporting clays course. And Terry, I always stress that any extra shooting you do at Colorado Clays will help build your familiarity with your gun, and that can be very important when you need to mount your gun and move that safe um, with you know by feel without having to look. Um, of course, it'll increase your safe gun handling ability, which is important to other hunters, and I know they appreciate that. Your accuracy, absolutely, and then very important to the turkey hunt, it builds your confidence in the ability of your gun and yourself. But the one thing the turkey hunters really want is the opportunity to pattern those turkey guns just to see exactly what they're getting with the gun and choke combinations they've chose. So... Like you said, Terry, starting this year at Colorado Clays, uh, we've set up a special patterning area just for the turkey hunters to check those things that really matter on the hunt, which is your gun, maybe the sights you've chose, uh, chokes, pattern densities, and, of course, effective ranges of those combinations. And we're offering the use of this area with our targets or yours. Either way is fine. Um, You'll be accompanied, of course, by one of our professional staff to make sure you get the information you need to have that successful hunt. And, Terry, we're only asking $10 for the service, and all we ask is that everybody that's interested uh, call ahead to make arrangements to take advantage of this really a great opportunity. Oh, it's fantastic because it's difficult to set up to pattern and understand what you're doing and and not sometimes people just don't have the technical expertise to know is it the shot I'm using is it my choke is it something I'm doing as I'm pulling the shot am I used to shooting at upland game that's rising instead of a turkey that's on the ground people don't understand how much that can change where your pattern hits you're not even realizing it and somebody watching you will do that so that's a a great great opportunity out there, JR. And you know what? If somebody's thinking about getting into one of the field sports for shooting a shotgun, whether it's uh, upland game hunting or waterfall hunting or turkey hunting or just 
clay shooting. You guys are coming up, I think, with a course for beginning shotgunners. Is that right? That's right, Terry. It's our intro to shotgun clinic. I honestly don't have that date in front of me. I'd ask everybody to call if they're interested. And the neat thing is this is for people who maybe want to try shotgun shooting for the first time. Or or maybe you have a shotgun at home you've never used or lightly used, and you want to learn more about using the gun and shooting. Um, Maybe you have shot some and you want to just get back on those fundamentals. Uh, Those are great reasons to come to this clinic. And it's also a great introduction to the many different types of clay shooting disciplines, Terry, which, by the way, Colorado Clays offers to everyone all year long. No, you're absolutely right. I mean, you have the gamut from the the skeet and the trap, including the wobble trap, to the clay setups with all the different stations, plus rifle and pistol. But you can really come out there, and it's a great, safe, controlled atmosphere with people there to help you, and it just couldn't be a better place to start or to sharpen your shotgun shooting or any shooting out there. JR, before we run out of time today, there's one other thing I want to mention. I heard that... Um, it's it's time to start trash talking people who think they can take Nate Zelinsky on in the fishing, and if they can't, they can at least outshoot him. <laughs> it is that time, Terry. And what you're referring to is, of course, the Colorado Clays uh, annual Cast and Clays tournament. Um, and boy, Terry, on that note, we have just such a great list of sponsors and so many sponsors, you know, with a team in the event, one of those, Nate Zielinski. So, yes, if you want to crack at Nate, this is the chance. But I'll tell you what, I talked to Michelle at Bar Lake the other day. Uh, they're going to sponsor a team through Parks and Wildlife. Bass Pro Shops is on board big. They're going to have a team. Terry, this is going to be the greatest opportunity you'll ever have to, uh, to come take a whack at Zielinski. Oh yeah, and what a, and you know what? And all kidding aside, what a fun event! You get to tell people real quick what the event c- consists of. Well, Terry, it's a combination event. Uh, we're going to be fishing at Bar Lake in the morning. Um, everybody go out, do their best for fishing. Come back, have a steak lunch at Colorado Clays, and then in the afternoon we're going to go out and shoot some sporting clays. The way the event works is one point per inch on the fish you catch, one point per broken target in the afternoon for a total score. This is a team event. Um, The two-person teams can enter for a mere $100. That's 50 per person. Uh, The lunch is going to be worth half of that alone, Terry. If you've never done this or if you want to get in on it before we fill up, now's the time. Hey, we're almost out of time, JR. How do they find out more about all the things you've got going on there? ColoradoClays.com, and Terry, for sure, give us a call. We'll let you know anything you need. All right. Jer, we got to get out and chase some bass real quick. Sounds like a plan. All right. Thank you, my friend. Have a great day. You bet. We're going to go right back to the phones because, speaking of friends, we're joined now by uh, Skylar Mason from the Honey Smoked Fish Company. And, folks, I can honestly say that this family has become a friend of mine. They've been involved in my show for, gosh, it's going on a decade. It's been a long time. But it's easy to support these guys because of the quality of the product. They're a Colorado company, products made right here in Aurora. Skyler, you guys just do such a great job. Thank you, Terry. How are you? We're doing great. And this isn't a good time to eat smoked salmon, though, is it, from Honey Smoked Fish Company? It's an excellent time. Now we're getting the spring season. Uh, people are making uh, picnics. People are going, having family coming in. Um, for the Easter holiday, for the past Easter and moving forward, and uh, with honey smoked salmon being fully cooked, ready to eat, 
using as an ingredient. You could take it on the go, easy to whip up for your picnics with family gatherings. Oh, I'll tell you what, my, one of my favorites, it's so simple and it's so good. I take one part Honey Smoked Fish Company's salmon and I take one part um, room temperature cream cheese. I put it in my food processor. It takes about five minutes, the whole process. And I have this incredible dip that I can have ready in just a few minutes when company comes over and everybody just raves. The only issue I have, Skylar, is I tend to eat so much of the fish out of the package while I'm making it. Well, that's a good thing. It's uh, Keep in mind, honey smoked salmon is a superfood. By that, it's so rich, locked and loaded with rich omega-3s. It's not only nutritional, but it flavors any dish, any spread you add it to. All right, and it's great. Where can I find it, Skylar? Find it in Costco, Sam's Club, King Super, Safeway Sprouts, and now Walmart. All right. I'll tell you what, folks. Buy one package and try it. You won't be disappointed. By the way, you guys are sponsoring a trivia question for my 20 years in radio. Thank you. And we're giving away an incredible gift package about once a month to Honey Smoke Fish Company. So go to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on Facebook, and you'll learn how to win that. Skylar, thank you so much. Thank you, Terry. And warning, you will be hooked. Oh, it, it's, but it's worth it. Terry yeah, Wickstrom Outdoors is brought to you in part by Honey Smoke Fish Company Smoke Salmon. The secret is in the fire. Terry Wickstrom Outdoors is brought to you in part by Sun Power Sports, Colorado's largest ATV and motorcycle dealer. <clears throat> I want to go right to the phones <clears throat> as we're joined by uh, Brad Peterson. Brad, good morning. Sorry we're going to have to make it a quick segment, but I want to get some information in. Uh, everything's running long today, but boy, what a packed show we've had. Well, that's good, Terry. I tell you what, that leaderboard update, we need to get you doing those for local fishing tournaments every show. Yeah, and there's a couple coming up, isn't there? There is. So there's, tell, there's tell a, go ahead. Yeah, that we've got uh, several different organizations doing walleye tournaments coming up. Uh, first one start off in the metro area next weekend. Uh, Nate Zaleski with the Walleye Insanity and Tightline Outdoors has this, and then on the twenty first and twenty second, the Colorado Walleye Association is doing their Cherry Creek Walleye Tournament. And from what I hear. The bite has been really good out there. Well, I think, you know, even if you're not a tournament angler, this is a great time these next two weekends to go out to Cherry Creek and watch when they come into the weigh-in and hear the people talk um, because you can learn so much about these local reservoirs because they can't BS you about it. They either got the fish or they didn't, and when they bring them to the scale, um, they're going to tell you how they caught them, and you're going to see what kind of fish are in these reservoirs and really can get your blood boiling and get you going, can it? Oh, it can, and as you say, they're great educational opportunities to talk to the guys after the final weigh-in. You know, the, the Colorado Walleye Association tournament is a two-day one, so Saturday you aren't going to get as much information as you would Sunday. But the guys are happy. The guys and gals that are both fishing are are happy to be out there, let you know, um, you know, what they're doing, uh, what technique, maybe some special lures that are helping catch fish. Uh, to improve what you're doing and your success, along with, as you said, it's also going to let you know what type of fish are in there. These metro lakes are, are loaded with some amazing fish. Oh, they're two of the best fisheries in the state, Cherry Creek and Chatfield. What else are you hearing, Brad? Well, we got time, though, in case there's people. we got a great week coming up. It's going to be in the mid to high 70s by the time we get to Wednesday. It's going to start out a little windy, then it's going to warm up gradually, and then it's going to end a little windy. But I'll tell you what, we could hit some of the peak bite Wednesday, Thursday this week of some of the best fishing in the area. What are you hearing out there? I, I'm hearing that uh, a lot of the smaller bodies of water have started to warm up. The ponds uh, throughout 
there's a lot of them down there in Denver. You've got St. Green, you know, up in Longmont. You've got Pooter Ponds up in the Fort Collins area. They're all warming up, and the panfish are starting to move up into the shallows. Along with those come the bass. So in the afternoons, as those days are warming up, you can really get on some phenomenal bites, especially for the shore anglers right now. And if you're in the boat, I'd be, you know, finding the shallow, dark, muddy water or the the muddy bottom that's going to warm up a little bit quicker and go in there and look. I've talked to people that are catching some fish out at Boyd. Um, Horsetooth is producing both walleyes and smallmouth, and uh, Lone Tree's catching uh, the walleye fishing there has been really good trolling suspended right now. Well, and Lone Tree's wanted to go harvest some fish out of because we're going to lose that fishery in the end of June. We are, and that is, it is one of my favorite fisheries up in the, you know, north, north central area there. It's, uh, the walleye fishing's phenomenal. It's got good bass fishing. There are some really big bluegills in there that aren't targeted by too many people. And the crappies, right about May 1st, those crappies are going to start moving up shallow as well. And I've caught crappies over 14 inches in there numerous times. Oh, and there's some of the ponds around have tremendous crappies. Real quick, what do you have you're hearing anything at Pueblo? I, I've heard that Pueblo is, you know, the spawn is over with on the walleyes, so the fish are starting to move back up into those coves, into the shallows to feed. The bite has been pretty consistent in the last week. People are catching them pitching jerk baits or jigs up shallow, and there's also a little bit of a jig and live bait bite going on. So Pueblo right now, from now till Memorial Day, is going to be the really hot time to get out of Pueblo. And also at Pueblo, great crappie fishing. Work your way back towards the west end in the flooded brush, and those fish are going to be in there thick. We got to run. Are you fishing either or both of the tournaments at Cherry Creek? Um, I am, I'm waiting to determine on the, uh, walleye insanity one, but I will definitely be out for the Colorado Walleye Association one. All right. Well, we can head out there and hopefully people will cheer for you when you come to the weigh-in. That sounds great, Terry. Thanks, Brad. Thank you. That's Brad Peterson with Brad Peterson Outdoors, frequent contributor. I'd like to have had Brad on a little longer, but we just had so much packed into the show today. I'll tell you what, if, if, when the weather gets nice middle of this week, be on the water. The fishing's going to be great. Turkey season starts um, next uh, next weekend, runs for six, eight weeks. It's a long season. Get out and enjoy that. But there's just so much coming up. There's just wildlife watching, getting out on the trails. We'll take care. We'll cover it all right here on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Join us every week at our new summer hours, which are from 10 to noon. Uh, end of July, we'll go back to our 9 to 11 spot. But we're going to bring you up to date on everything that's going on and help you get out and enjoy it. And don't forget to follow us on Facebook at Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. I had Karen repost our Outdoor Survival article I wrote for the Post a few months ago because I... Um, I, I wanted to get it out to with people going out in the spring. The weather can change. Review that before you go out. Don't let an inconvenience turn into a tragedy. Also, remember to join us every week here. Follow us on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors to learn more about our contest. We're giving a lot of good things away. So follow us there. And then join us every Saturday from uh, 10 to 12 right here. We'll let the Eagles take us to the top of the hour on 104.3 The Fan.